Book Seven of the Nicomachean Ethics. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Nicomachean Ethics by Aristotle, translated by Thomas Taylor. Chapter One. After these things, making another beginning, it must be observed by us that there are three species of things which are to be avoided in manners, viz., vice, incontinence, and brutality. But the contraries to two of these are indeed evident. For we call one of the contraries virtue, and the other continence. To brutality, however, it will be most appropriate to say that the virtue is opposed, which is a certain heroical and divine virtue, as Homer represents Priam saying of Hector that he was a very good man. Quote, Wretch that I am, my bravest offspring slain, you the disgrace of Priam's house remain. Mestor the brave, renowned in ranks of war, with Troilus, dreadful in his rushing car. And last, great Hector, more than man divine, for sure he seemed not of terrestrial line. Hence, if, as it is said, men from being men become gods through excess of virtue the habit which is opposed to a brutal habit will indeed be such as this for as there is neither the vice nor virtue of a brute so neither is there of a god but the one habit indeed is more honourable than virtue and the other is of a different genus from vice since however the existence of a divine man is rare bracket, just as the lacedaemonians when they very much admire a man are accustomed to say o divine man Close bracket. thus also the brutal nature is rare among men but when it does exist it is principally found among the barbarians some men however become brutalized through diseases and mutilations of the body and we thus denominate by a defamatory appellation those who surpass other men in vice but of such a disposition of the soul as this we shall hereafter make mention and we have before spoken concerning vice let us now therefore speak concerning incontinence and effeminacy and luxury and concerning their opposites continence and endurance for each of these must not be considered as if they were the same habits with virtue and vice nor yet as if they were of a genus different from them. It is necessary, however, as we have done in other things, having first premised what is apparent, i.e., what is commonly admitted as true, and proposed doubts, in the next place to show everything which is especially probable about these passions. But, if not everything, at least the greater part, and the principal. For if such doubts as are difficult are dissolved, and those things which are probable are left, we shall have sufficiently accomplished our purpose. Continence, therefore, and endurance, appear to be among the number of worthy and laudable things, but incontinence and effeminacy among the number of things bad and blamable. And the continent man, and he who abides in the decision of reason, are the same person. And the incontinent man, is the same with him who departs from the decision of reason. And the incontinent man, indeed, knowing that the things are bad, does them through passion. But the continent man, 
knowing that desires are bad does not follow them in consequence of being obedient to reason and all men indeed admit that the temperate man is continent and possesses the virtue of endurance but with respect to a man of this description some say that he is in every respect temperate but others say that he is not and some confusedly say that the intemperate man is incontinent and the incontinent man is intemperate but others say that they differ from each other but with respect to the prudent man sometimes they say that he cannot be incontinent and sometimes that certain persons who are prudent and skilful are incontinent and farther still men are said to be incontinent of anger of honour and of gain such therefore are the assertions concerning continence and incontinence chapter two it may however be doubted how he who thinks rightly can act incontinently some say therefore that it is impossible for a man to act incontinently who knows that he ought not for it would be a dreadful thing when science is inherent as socrates thought that anything else should have dominion and draw the man about like a slave for socrates in short opposed reason by this opinion as if there were no such thing as incontinence since he said that no one acted contrary to what he apprehended it was best to do except from ignorance of what was best this assertion therefore is adverse to those things which are clearly apparent and it is requisite to inquire concerning the passion if any one acts incontinently through ignorance what the mode of this ignorance is for it is evident that he who acts incontinently does not think he ought so to act till he is under the influence of the passion there are however certain persons who admit some of these things but not others for they grant indeed that nothing is better than science but they do not admit that no one acts contrary to what appears to him to be better and on this account they say that the incontinent man not having science but opinion is vanquished by pleasures if however it is opinion and neither science nor a strong but a weak hypolepsis which resists as it is in those who are dubious pardon is to be granted to him who yields to strong desires but improbity is not to be pardoned nor anything else which is blamable the incontinent man therefore is vanquished by desire prudence at the same time resisting for this is most strong but this is absurd for the same person will be at the same time prudent and incontinent no one however will say that it is the province of a prudent man to perform voluntarily the most base actions to which may be added what we have before shown that the prudent is a practical man for he is conversant with particulars and possesses the other virtues again if the continent man consists in having strong and base desires the temperate man will not be a continent man nor the continent a temperate man for it is not the province of the temperate man to have too much desire or to have base desires but it would be requisite that he should if this were admitted for if indeed the desires are good the habit which prevents a man from following them is bad so that not all continents will be good 
if however the desires are weak but not bad there is nothing venerable in continence and if they are bad and weak there is nothing great in it farther still if continence gives permanency to every opinion and even to false opinion it is a bad thing and if incontinence produces a departure from every opinion there will be a certain incontinence which is good such as that of neoptolemus in the philoctetes of sophocles for he is to be praised for not persevering in what he was persuaded to do by ulysses because it was painful to him to lie again that reasoning of the sophists which is denominated lying or dissembling is perplexed with doubt for with these men in consequence of wishing to produce an assent to paradoxes in order that when they obtain their end they may appear to be skilful persons the syllogism formed by their reasoning becomes very dubious for the discursive energy of reason is bound when the person whose assent they wish to procure is unwilling to persist because the conclusion does not please him but is unable to proceed because he cannot dissolve the argument from a certain reason however it may happen that imprudence together with incontinence is a virtue for a man through incontinence may do the contrary to what he apprehends ought to be done but he apprehends that good things are evil and that they ought not to be done hence he will do what is good and not what is evil again he who performs and pursues what is delectable in consequence of being persuaded and deliberately choosing so to do will appear to be a better character than the man who does so not from reasoning but from incontinence for he may be more easily cured because he may be induced to change his opinion but the incontinent man is obnoxious to the proverb in which we say quote, when water suffocates what occasion is there to drink Close quote. for if indeed he were persuaded to do what he did if he had been induced to change his opinion he would have desisted but now not being persuaded he nevertheless acts in this manner farther still if incontinence and continence are conversant with all things who is the man that is simply incontinent for no one has every species of incontinence and we say that some persons are simply incontinent such therefore are the doubts which happen on this subject but of these it is necessary to take away some and to leave others for the solution of a doubt is the discovery of what is investigated chapter three in the first place therefore it must be considered whether the incontinent act knowingly or not and in what manner they act knowingly in the next place with what kind of things the incontinent and the continent man are conversant i mean whether they are conversant with all pleasure and pain or with certain definite pleasures and pains and whether the continent and the enduring man are the same or different characters and in a similar manner we must consider such other things as are allied to this theory the beginning however of the speculation is whether the continent and incontinent man differ in the things with which they are conversant or in the mode in which they are conversant with them my meaning is this 
whether the incontinent man is alone incontinent or not because he is conversant with these particular things or whether it is because he is thus affected or not or whether it is from both of these in the next place whether incontinence and continence are conversant with all things or not for he who is simply incontinent is not conversant with all things but with those things with which the intemperate man is conversant nor is he denominated incontinent from being simply affected towards these for if he were incontinence would be the same with intemperance but from being affected towards them in this particular manner for the intemperate man indeed is led by his desires from deliberate choice thinking that it is always necessary to pursue the present delight but the incontinent man does not think this is necessary yet pursues it with respect therefore to the assertion that it is true opinion and not science through which men act incontinently it is of no consequence to the present discussion for some of those who form opinions of things entertain no doubt of their truth but think that they know accurately if therefore those who form an opinion act in a greater degree contrary to their opinion than those who have a scientific knowledge because they believe negligently science will in no respect differ from opinion for some persons believe no less firmly in things of which they form an opinion than others in things which they know scientifically but this is evident from heraclitus since however we say that a man knows scientifically in a twofold respect for both he who possesses science indeed but does not use it and he who uses it are said to have scientific knowledge it makes a difference whether a man possessing science but not contemplating does what he ought not to do or whether possessing science and contemplating he acts improperly for this appears to be absurd but it is not if he does not contemplate again since there are two modes of propositions i e universal and particular propositions nothing hinders but that he who possesses both these may act contrary to science using indeed the universal proposition but not the particular one for particulars are practicable there is a difference also as to the universal for one difference indeed is in the man himself but the other is in the thing thus for instance a man may know that dry food is beneficial to every man and that this person is a man or that a thing of such a kind is dry food but whether this is a thing of such a kind he either does not know or he does not energize as if he did know there is an immense difference therefore according to these modes so that no absurdity follows for a man thus to know but for him to know in any other way it would be wonderful farther still science may be inherent in men in a way different from that which we have just now mentioned for we see that habit differs in possessing indeed but not using science so that a man possesses in a certain respect and does not possess science as is the case with him who is asleep or insane or intoxicated but in this way men are disposed who are under the influence of the passions for anger and the desire of venereal pleasures 
and certain other things of this kind evidently produce a change in the body and in some persons also they produce insanity it is manifest therefore that the incontinent man must be said to be affected similarly to these persons nor is it any indication of the contrary if such persons utter sentences which are the progeny of science for those who are under the influence of these passions will recite demonstrations and the verses of empedocles and those who first learn a science connect indeed the words but do not yet know their meaning for it is necessary that science should increase with advancing age but this requires time hence it must be admitted that the incontinent speak after the manner of players i e without attending to the meaning of what they say again the cause of this may also be physically surveyed as follows opinion indeed is either universal or particular of which latter sense is now the mistress but when one reason is produced from both these it is necessary that so far as pertains to theory the soul should enunciate the conclusion but so far as pertains to practice should immediately act thus for instance if every sweet thing ought to be tasted but this thing is sweet as being some one of particulars it necessarily follows that he who is able and is not impeded must at the same time that he says this act i e taste the sweet thing when therefore the universal proposition is indeed inherent which prohibits a thing from being tasted but another proposition says that everything which is sweet is delectable and another that this particular thing is sweet and this causes the man to energize and when also desire happens to be inherent then the universal proposition indeed says this thing is to be avoided but desire leads to the fruition of it for each of the parts of the soul is able to move or excite hence it happens that a man acts incontinently both from reason in a certain respect and opinion though opinion is not essentially but from accident contrary to reason for desire but not opinion is contrary to right reason hence on this account also brutes are not incontinent because they have not a perception of universal but an imagination and memory of particulars with respect to the manner however in which ignorance is dissolved and the incontinent man again becomes in possession of scientific knowledge the reasoning is the same as concerning him who is intoxicated or asleep and is not peculiar to this passion but the explanation of it must be obtained from physiologists because however the last proposition is the opinion of the sensible object and is the mistress of actions he who is under the influence of passion either has not this proposition or he has it in such a way that from possessing he has not a scientific knowledge of it but merely enunciates it just as he who is intoxicated recites the verses of empedocles and likewise because the last proposition is not universal and does not appear to be similarly scientific with the proposition which is universal that also which socrates investigated appears in this case to happen for the passion is not produced when that which is science 
properly so called, is seen to be present. Nor is this science drawn about, so as to cooperate with passion. But this must be asserted of the sensitive power. And thus much concerning the knowledge and ignorance of the incontinent man, and how he may act incontinently, accompanied with knowledge. Chapter 4 But whether any one is simply incontinent, or all that are incontinent are partially so, and if there is any one who is simply incontinent, what the things are with which he is conversant must in the next place be shown by us. That the continent, therefore, and men of endurance, and the incontinent and effeminate, are conversant with pleasures and pains, is evident. Of those things, however, which produce pleasure, some indeed are necessary, but others, though they are eligible of themselves, yet have excess. But necessaries, indeed, are things which have reference to the body. I mean such things as pertain to food, and the use of venereal pleasures, and such like corporeal concerns, about which we place intemperance, and temperance. Other things, however, are not indeed necessary, yet are eligible of themselves. I mean such as victory, honor, wealth, and such like good and delectable things. Those, therefore, who exceed in these, contrary to the right reason, which is in them, we do not indeed denominate simply incontinent, but, with an addition, we call them incontinent of riches, of gain, of honor, and of anger, but we do not call them simply incontinent, as being different from those that are so, and denominated from similitude, just as the name of a certain person who was victorious in the Olympic Games, was Anthropos, i.e. man, for he had as a proper the common name of man, and yet at the same time he was different from man universal, or the species man, as being an individual. As an indication of this, incontinence indeed is blamed not only as an error, but also as a certain vice, either simply or partially. But no one blames those who are incontinent of honor, or gain, etc., as simply bad. With respect, however, to those who are conversant with corporeal enjoyments, with which we say the temperate and intemperate man are conversant, he who without deliberate choice pursues the excesses of delectable, and avoids the excesses of painful things, viz. hunger and thirst, heat and cold, and everything pertaining to the touch and the taste, yet, contrary to deliberate choice, and the reasoning power, is called incontinent. Not with an addition of this or that thing, as of anger, but he is only simply called incontinent. But, as an indication of this, those who are conversant with the one are called effeminate, but not those who are conversant with the other. Hence, we arrange the incontinent and intemperate, and also the continent and temperate man, in the same class, but not those who are incontinent of honor, or gain, etc., because they are, in a certain respect, conversant with the same pleasures and pains. Though, however, they are conversant with the same things, yet not after the same manner. For the intemperate, indeed, 
pursue depraved pleasures from deliberate choice but the incontinent do not hence we rather call him intemperate who either not at all desiring or desiring slightly pursues excessive pleasures and avoids moderate pains than him who pursues the one and avoids the other in consequence of being influenced by vehement desire for what would the former character do if he were impelled by robust desire and suffered violent pain from the want of necessary things since however of desires and pleasures some rank in the genus of things beautiful and worthy for of things delectable some are naturally eligible others are contrary to these and others have an intermediate subsistence agreeably to the division we have before made and these last are such as riches gain victory and honour in all these therefore and things of the like kind and in those that have an intermediate subsistence men are not blamed for being merely influenced by the passions and for desiring and loving but for the manner in which they are influenced by them and for indulging them to excess hence with respect to those who are vanquished by the passions or pursue anything naturally beautiful and good contrary to reason such as those who pursue honour more than is proper or are irrationally attached to their parents and children for these also rank among the number of things that are good and those who pay attention to these are praised yet there is at the same time a certain excess even in these things if any one like niobe contends about them even with the gods or like satyrus who for his attachment to his father was called philopator for he appeared through this attachment to be very infatuated there is therefore no depravity indeed in these things for the reason already assigned because each of these things is naturally eligible of itself but the excesses of them are bad and are to be avoided this however is not the case with incontinence for incontinence is not only to be avoided but is also among the number of blamable things but from the similitude of the passion in speaking about each of these it is usual to add the term incontinence just as we say that a man is a bad physician or a bad player whom we should not simply call a bad man as therefore we do not here call these simply bad men because each of these is not a vice but similar to vice from analogy so likewise there viz in the immoderate pursuit of honour gain etc those things only are to be considered as incontinence and continence which are conversant with the same things as temperance and intemperance but with respect to incontinence and anger we speak of it from similitude hence also by making an addition we say that a man is incontinent of anger just as we say that he is incontinent of honour or gain chapter five since however some things are naturally delectable and of these some are simply so but others to the genera of animals and men but other things are not naturally delectable but some things are pleasing in consequence of mutilations and others are so partly from custom and partly from depraved natures this being the case similar habits may be perceived in each of these 
but by savage habits i mean such a habit as that of the woman who is said to have cut open the bellies of pregnant women and to have devoured the fetus or such habits as certain savage nations about pontus are said to possess for of these some are delighted to feed on raw and others on human flesh and others at banquets feast each other with their own children or such a habit as phalaris is said to have possessed for he is reported to have eaten his own son these habits therefore are savage some of these habits however are produced in certain persons from disease and insanity as was the case with him who immolated and ate his mother and also with him who ate the liver of his fellow-servant but other savage habits either originate from disease or from custom such as evulsions of the hairs biting the nails and besides these eating coals and earth to which may be added the venereal connection of males with males for these habits are produced in some persons by nature but in others from custom as being accustomed to them from childhood no one therefore would call those in whom nature is the cause of these habits incontinent as neither are women called incontinent because in the venereal connection they are not active but passive and in a similar manner those are not called incontinent who are in a diseased condition from custom the possession therefore of each of these is something beyond the boundaries of vice in the same manner as a savage nature but when possessing these propensities to subdue or be subdued by them is not simple continence or incontinence but is only so from similitude just as he who subsists after this manner with respect to anger is incontinent of this passion but passion is not to be called incontinent for every vice folly timidity intemperance and ferocity when excessive is either savage or the effect of disease for he who is naturally so disposed as to be afraid of everything even though a mouse should make a noise is timid according to a savage timidity but he who is afraid of a cat is timid from disease and among the number of the stupid those who are most irrational from nature and live only from sense resemble savage animals as is the case with some nations of remote barbarians but those who are so from disease such as epilepsy or insanity these are in a morbid state it is however possible that some one may sometimes possess these habits and yet not be vanquished by them i mean as if for instance phalaris desiring to eat his son should refrain from so doing or should abstain from absurd venereal pleasure and it is not only possible to have these propensities but also to be vanquished by them as therefore with respect to depravity that which pertains to a man is simply said to be depravity but that which subsists with an addition is said to be a savage or diseased depravity but is not simple depravity after the same manner with respect to incontinence it is evident that one kind is savage but another the effect of disease while that alone is simply incontinence which subsists according to human intemperance it is evident therefore 
that incontinence and continence are alone conversant with those things with which intemperance and temperance are conversant and that another species of incontinence subsists about other things which is denominated metaphorically and not simply chapter six let us however now consider whether the incontinence of anger is not less base than the incontinence of desires for anger indeed seems to hear something of reason but to hear it negligently just like hasty servants who run away before they have heard the whole of what is said to them and thus err in the performance of what they are ordered to do or like dogs who bark at a noise alone before they perceive whether he who makes it is a friend or not thus also anger through the heat and celerity of its nature hears indeed reason but does not hear its mandates in consequence of impetuously tending to vengeance for reason indeed or the imagination renders it evident that something has been done attended with insolence or contempt but anger as if syllogistically concluding that it is necessary to be hostile to one who has acted in this manner is immediately enraged desire however if sense or reason corrupted by sense only says that a thing is delectable rushes to the enjoyment of it hence anger in a certain respect follows reason but desire does not desire therefore is more base than anger for he who is incontinent of anger is after a manner vanquished by reason but he who is incontinent of desire is subdued by desire and not by reason again it is more pardonable to follow the natural appetites since such desires as are common to all men are more pardonable and so far as they are common but anger and asperity are more natural than desires which are excessive and which are not necessary thus one who was accused of striking his father said as an apology for it that his own father and even his grandfather committed the same fault and pointing to his child he likewise said he will strike me when he becomes a man for this is a family failing a certain person also being dragged about by his son ordered him to stop at the gates of his house for he likewise had dragged his father as far as to that place farther still those who act more insidiously are more unjust the irascible man therefore is not insidious nor is anger but he is open in what he does desire however is fraudulent as it is said of venus quote, the cyprian goddess skilled in weaving wiles and as homer says speaking of her cestus in this was every art and every charm to win the wisest and the coldest warm fond love the gentle vow the gay desire the kind deceit the still reviving fire persuasive speech and more persuasive sighs silence that spoke and eloquence of eyes hence if this incontinence is more unjust it is also more base than that which pertains to anger and this is simply incontinence and in a certain respect vice again no one who is pained acts insolently i e lasciviously towards another person 
but every one who acts from the impulse of anger acts with pain he however who conducts himself insolently towards another acts with pleasure if therefore those things with which it is especially just to be angry are more unjust the incontinence also which subsists through desire is more unjust for anger is not attended with insolence hence it is evident that the incontinence which is conversant with desires is more base than that which is conversant with anger and also that continence and incontinence are conversant with corporeal pleasures the differences however of these must be assumed for as we said in the beginning some desires are human and natural both in their genus and magnitude but others are savage and others subsist from mutilations and diseases but with the first of these temperance and intemperance are alone conversant hence we neither call brutes temperate nor intemperate except metaphorically though one genus of animals differs in short from another in insolence in salaciousness and in veracity for they have neither any deliberate choice nor reasoning process but they revolt from nature in the same manner as insane men ferocity however is a less evil than vice but it is more terrible for that which is most excellent is not corrupted through this as it is in men but those that labour under this malady are deprived of it i e of reason it is just therefore as if that which is inanimate should be compared with that which is animated in order to know which of the two is the worse for the improbity is always more innoxious which is without a principle but intellect is a principle hence a similar thing takes place as if injustice should be compared with an unjust man for it is possible that the one may be worse than the other for a bad man may be the cause of an infinitely greater number of evils than a brute chapter seven with respect however to the pleasures and pains which subsist through the touch and the taste and also with respect to the desires and aversions pertaining to these about which intemperance and temperance have been before defined it is possible indeed that a man may be so disposed as to be vanquished by those pleasures and pains to which the multitude are superior and it is also possible that he may vanquish those by which the multitude are vanquished but of these characters he who is vanquished by pleasures is incontinent and he who vanquishes them is continent he also who is vanquished by pains is effeminate but he who vanquishes them is a man of endurance the habits however of most men are between these though they rather verge to the worse habits since however of pleasures some are necessary but others are not and those that are necessary are so to a certain extent but the excesses and defects are not necessary and the like also takes place in desires and pains this being the case he who pursues the excesses of pleasures or who pursues pleasures excessively or from deliberate choice and on their own account and not from anything else which may happen is an intemperate man for this man will necessarily not repent of his conduct so that he is incurable but he who is deficient in the pursuit of pleasures is opposed to this character 
and he who subsists in a medium between both is the temperate man in a similar manner also he is intemperate who avoids corporeal pains not because he is vanquished by them but from deliberate choice but of those who pursue pleasures yet not from deliberate choice one indeed is led to the pursuit through pleasure but another through an avoidance of pain so that they differ from each other it will however be obvious to every one that he is a worse character who not desiring or desiring but slightly does anything which is base than him who desires vehemently and also that he who not being angry strikes a man is a worse character than the man who strikes another through the impulse of anger for what would such a one do if he were influenced by passion hence the intemperate is worse than the incontinent man of the characters therefore that we have mentioned the one has more the form of effeminacy but the other is incontinent but the continent is opposed to the incontinent and the man of endurance to the effeminate man for endurance indeed consists in resisting but continence in subduing it is one thing however to resist and another to subdue just as it is one thing not to be vanquished and another to vanquish hence continence is more eligible than endurance but he who fails in those things in which the multitude resist and are able to resist is effeminate and luxuriously delicate for luxurious delicacy is a certain effeminacy as when a man draws his garments on the ground lest he should be pained by the labour of holding it up and by his manner of living imitates one who is ill yet does not think he is miserable though he resembles one who is miserable the like also takes place with respect to continence and incontinence for it is not wonderful if a man is vanquished by strong and transcendent pleasures or pains but he deserves to be pardoned if though vanquished he makes a resistance like the philoctetes of theoctetes when bit by a viper or the circean of carcinus in his alope or like those who endeavouring to restrain their laughter burst forth into a profuse laugh as it happened to xenophantus but he is very blamable who is vanquished by those pleasures which the multitude are able to resist and is unable to oppose them and this not through the nature of his race or from disease as is the case with the persian kings with whom effeminacy is hereditary and who on this account are as females when compared to males the jocose man also appears to be intemperate but he is effeminate for jesting is a relaxation since it is a repose from serious and laborious pursuits but the jocose man ranks among the number of those who exceed in this relaxation with respect to incontinence however one kind is precipitate but another is from imbecility for some indeed having deliberated do not persist in what they have deliberated on account of passion but others in consequence of not having deliberated are led captive by passion for some persons just as those who have previously tickled themselves are not tickled by others so these in consequence of previously perceiving and foreseeing the future perturbation and having pre-excited themselves and their reasoning power are not vanquished by passion 
whether it be delectable or painful but persons of acute feelings and those who are melancholy are especially incontinent according to precipitate incontinence for the former indeed through celerity and the latter through vehemence do not wait for the decision of reason because they are disposed to follow the imagination chapter eight the intemperate man however as we have before observed is not inclined to repentance for he persists in his deliberate choice but every incontinent man is inclined to repent hence the thing is not as we doubted it might be but the intemperate man indeed is incurable and the incontinent man is curable for depravity appears to resemble the diseases of the dropsy and consumption but incontinence seems to resemble the epilepsy since the former indeed is continued without interruption but the latter is not a continued improbity and in short the genus of incontinence is different from that of vice for vice indeed is latent but incontinence is not latent but of these characters the precipitately incontinent are better than those who possess reason indeed but do not abide in its decisions for the latter are vanquished by a less passion and not without previous deliberation like the former for the man who is incontinent from imbecility resembles those who become rapidly intoxicated and from a little wine and from less than that through which most men become intoxicated that incontinence therefore is not a vice is evident but perhaps it is partially so for incontinence is contrary but vice is conformable to deliberate choice the intemperate and the incontinent man however are similar in their actions just as demodocus said of the milesians viz quote, the milesians are not indeed foolish yet they act as if they were so Close quote. thus also incontinent men are not indeed unjust yet they act unjustly since therefore the incontinent man is one who does not pursue corporeal pleasures in excess and contrary to right reason from persuasion but the intemperate man because he is intemperate is persuaded to pursue such pleasures this being the case the former is easily induced to change his opinion but the latter is not for virtue preserves the principle of right conduct but depravity corrupts it and in actions that for the sake of which or the end is the principle in the same manner as hypotheses are principles in the mathematics hence neither in the mathematics nor here are principles to be taught but virtue either physical or ethical is the cause of right opinion concerning the principle of conduct a man of this description therefore is temperate but the contrary character is an intemperate man there is also a certain person who through passion departs from right reason whom passion indeed so subdues that he does not act conformably to right reason but yet passion does not so far subdue him as to cause him to be persuaded that pleasures of this description ought to be largely pursued this person is the incontinent man who is better than the intemperate and is not absolutely a bad man for in him that which is best the principle of right conduct is saved but there is another person contrary to this viz the continent man who persists in the decision of reason 
and is not diverted from it through passion from these things therefore it is evident that one of these habits is worthy but the other bad chapter nine whether therefore is he the continent man who persists in any kind of reason and in any kind of deliberate choice or he who persists in right reason and whether is he the incontinent man who does not persist in any kind of deliberate choice nor in any kind of reason or he who persists in a false reason and in an erroneous deliberate choice as it was doubted by us before or shall we say that the continent man is one who persists from accident in any kind of reason and deliberate choice but essentially in true reason and right deliberate choice but that the incontinent man does not thus persist for if any one chooses or pursues that thing on account of this he pursues indeed and chooses this thing per se but the former thing from accident we speak however of that which is per se simply hence it is possible that the one may persist in any kind of opinion but that the other may abandon any kind of opinion but the one simply persists in true opinion and the other does not there are however some persons who are disposed to persist in an opinion and these are those who are called pertinacious such as the obstinate and those who are not easily persuaded to relinquish their opinions who have indeed something similar to the continent man in the same manner as the prodigal has to the liberal and the audacious to the confident man but in many things they are different for the confident man indeed is not changed through passion and desire since when it so happens he is easily persuaded but the pertinacious man is not persuaded by reason since most of this description admits desire and are led by pleasures those persons however are pertinacious who have certain opinions of their own and also unlearned and rustic men and those indeed who have certain opinions of their own are pertinacious through pleasure and pain for they rejoice when they are victorious if they are not induced to change their opinion and they are grieved when their opinions as if they were decrees are without efficacy hence they resemble the incontinent more than the continent man but there are certain persons who do not persist in their opinions yet not through incontinence such as neoptolemus in the philoctetes of sophocles since he did not persist in his opinion yet not on account of pleasure but on account of the beautiful in conduct for to him it was beautiful to speak the truth though he was persuaded by ulysses to lie for not every one who does anything on account of pleasure is intemperate or a bad or an incontinent man but he is intemperate who does it on account of base pleasure since however there is a character of such a kind as to be delighted less than is proper with corporeal pleasures and not to abide in the decisions of reason the continent man is a medium between this character and the incontinent man for the incontinent man indeed does not abide in the decisions of reason because he is delighted with corporeal pleasures more than is proper but this man because he is delighted with them less than is proper the continent man however abides in the decision of reason and is not changed through anything else 
it is also necessary if continence is a good thing that both the contrary habits should be bad as it appears that they are because however one of these characters viz the man who is delighted less than is proper with corporeal pleasures exists but among a few men and is rarely seen hence as temperance appears to be contrary to intemperance alone thus also continence to incontinence but since many things are denominated from similitude the continence also of the temperate man follows according to similitude for both the continent and the temperate man do nothing contrary to reason through the influence of corporeal pleasures but the one indeed viz the continent man possesses but the other does not possess depraved desires and the one indeed is a man of such a description as not to be delighted contrary to reason but the other is delighted indeed it is not led by this delight the incontinent and the intemperate man also resemble each other though indeed they are different characters both however pursue corporeal delights but the latter indeed thinking that it is proper and the other not thinking that it is proper to pursue them chapter ten nor is it possible that the same person can at one and the same time be prudent and incontinent for it has been shown by us that a prudent man is at the same time a man of worthy manners again a man is not only prudent from knowing what ought to be done but also from acting properly but the incontinent man does not act properly nothing however prevents the incontinent man from being skilful hence also sometimes certain persons appear to be prudent but incontinent because skilfulness differs from prudence in the way we have before explained and these so far as pertains to reason indeed are near to each other but they differ according to deliberate choice neither therefore does the incontinent man possess reason as one who knows and contemplates but as one who is asleep or intoxicated and he acts indeed voluntarily for after a certain manner he acts knowing both what he does and for the sake of what he acts as he does but he is not depraved for his deliberate choice is good so that he is half depraved and not unjust because he is not insidious for one incontinent man indeed i e the man who is incontinent from debility does not persist in what he has deliberated and he who is of a melancholy temperament i e the man who is precipitately incontinent is not in short disposed to deliberate the incontinent man therefore resembles a city which decrees indeed everything that is proper and has good laws but uses none of them as anaxandrides revilingly said quote, the state consults but its own laws neglects but the bad man resembles a city which uses indeed laws but uses bad laws incontinence however and continence are conversant with that which exceeds the habit of the multitude for the continent man persists more but the incontinent man less than the multitude are able to do in the decisions of reason the incontinence however of the melancholy is more easily cured than the incontinence of those who deliberate indeed but do not persist in doing what they have deliberated to do those also who are incontinent from custom 
may be more easily cured than those who are naturally so for it is more easy to change custom than nature for on this very account it is difficult to change custom viz because it resembles nature as evanus also says quote, by long attention custom is produced and is at length as nature to mankind Close quote. we have shown therefore what continence and incontinence and also what endurance and effeminacy are and how these habits subsist with reference to each other chapter eleven the discussion however of pleasure and pain pertains to him who philosophizes about the political science for he is the architect as it were of the end looking to which we say that one thing is evil but another is simply good again it is likewise necessary that we should make these the objects of consideration for we admit that ethical virtue and vice are conversant with pleasures and pains and most men assert that felicity is accompanied with pleasure hence also they denominate the blessed man from especially rejoicing to some therefore no pleasure appears to be good neither essentially nor from accident for good and pleasure are not the same thing but to others some pleasures appear to be good but many of them to be bad others again in the third place assert that though all pleasures were good yet at the same time that which is most excellent cannot be pleasure in short therefore they say pleasure is not good because all pleasure is a generation tending to a sensible nature as to its end but no generation is allied to ends as no act of building a house i e the energy of building is allied to the house again the temperate man avoids pleasures farther still the prudent man pursues a freedom from pain and not the delectable to which may be added that pleasures are an impediment to the energy of prudence and this in proportion to the delight which they afford as is the case with venereal pleasures for no one when engaged in this pleasure can intellectually perceive anything again pleasure is not the offspring of art though everything which is good is the work of art farther still children and brutes pursue pleasures but that all pleasures are not worthy is indicated by this that some are base and disgraceful and pernicious for some pleasures produce disease it is also evident that pleasure is not the best of things because it is not an end but generation such therefore nearly are the assertions respecting pleasure chapter twelve that it does not happen however from these arguments that pleasure is neither good nor the best of things is evident from the following considerations in the first place indeed because good is predicated in a twofold respect for one kind of good is simply and absolutely good but another is good to a certain person and natures and habits receive the same division so that this will also be the case with motions and generations with respect to these pleasures likewise which appear to be bad some indeed are simply bad but are not bad to a certain person but to him are eligible and some are not pleasures to this person except once and for a short time but they are not eligible to him and some are not pleasures but only appear to be so viz those which are attended with pain 
and are for the sake of a remedy, such as those of the sick. Again, since of good one kind is energy, but another is habit, those pleasures which restore their possessor to his natural habit are delectable. In desires, however, there is the energy of an indigent and imperfect habit and nature. There are also pleasures which are unaccompanied with pain and desire, such as the energies of contemplation, nature in these not being indigent, but that some pleasures are delectable of themselves, and others only on account of the indigence which they remove, is indicated by this, that men are not pleased with the same delectable thing when the indigence of nature is removed, and when it is not. For in the former case they are delighted with things simply and absolutely pleasant, but in the latter with their contraries. For they are then delighted with things sharp and bitter, none of which are either naturally or absolutely delectable, so that neither are they pleasures. For as things delectable are to each other, so likewise are the pleasures produced by these. Farther still, it is not necessary that something else should be better than pleasure, as some say the end of generation is better than generation. For pleasures are not generations, nor are all of them accompanied with generation, but they are energies, and an end. Nor do pleasures happen when things are passing into existence, but from the use of things. Nor is the end of all pleasures something different from them, but of those only, which lead to the perfection of nature. Hence it is not well said that pleasure is a sensible generation, but it must rather be said that it is the energy of habit according to nature, and instead of saying that it is a sensible, it must be said that it is an unimpeded generation. It appears, however, to be a certain generation, because it is properly good, for they fancied that energy is generation, but it is different from it. To say also that pleasures are bad, because some delectable things produce diseases, is what may likewise be said of things salubrious, for some of these are bad, as to pecuniary affairs. In this respect, therefore, both will be bad, and yet they are not on this account bad. For contemplation is likewise sometimes injurious to health, yet the pleasure proceeding from each habit is neither an impediment to prudence, nor to any habit. But the pleasures which are an impediment to these are such as are foreign. Since the pleasures arising from contemplation and discipline produce in a greater degree contemplation and learning. But it reasonably happens that no pleasure is the work of art, since neither is there an art of any other energy but of power, though the arts pertaining to unguents and cooking appear to be the arts of pleasure. With respect to the assertions also that the temperate man avoids pleasures, and that the prudent man pursues a life unattended with pain, and that children and brutes pursue pleasure, all these are solved after the same manner. For, since we have shown how all pleasures are, in a certain respect, simply good, and how they are not good, hence children and brutes pursue such pleasures as are accompanied with desire, and pain, and are corporeal, and the prudent man pursues a freedom of pain from these. For of such a kind are these pleasures, viz. they are accompanied with pain. Children and brutes also 
pursue the excesses of these according to which the intemperate man becomes intemperate hence the temperate man avoids these since there are also pleasures which belong to the temperate man chapter thirteen it is also admitted that pain is an evil and is to be avoided for one kind of pain indeed is simply evil but another in a certain respect because it is an impediment that however which is contrary to what is to be avoided so far as it is something to be avoided and is evil is good pleasure therefore is necessarily something good for the solution of spusippus is not appropriate viz that pleasure is contrary to pain just as the greater is contrary to the less and the equal since no one will say that pleasure is a certain evil but nothing prevents a certain pleasure from being the best of things if certain pleasures are bad just as a certain science viz wisdom is the best of sciences though some sciences are bad perhaps too it must necessarily be the case that if of every habit there are unimpeded energies whether felicity is the energy of all habits or of some one of them this energy if it is unimpeded is most eligible but this is pleasure so that a certain pleasure will be the best of things many pleasures if it should so happen being simply bad and on this account all men are of opinion that a happy is a delectable life and they reasonably connect pleasure with felicity for no energy is perfect when it is impeded but felicity is among the number of perfect energies hence the happy man requires the goods pertaining to the body and external possessions and also good fortune lest the want of these should be an impediment to his felicity those however who say that a man if he is a good man may be happy though he should be tormented in a wheel and fall into the greatest calamities say nothing to the purpose whether they assert this willingly or unwillingly because however the happy man requires good fortune prosperity appears to some persons to be the same with felicity though it is not the same since prosperity when it is excessive is an impediment to felicity perhaps likewise it is no longer just to call prosperity when it is excessive good fortune for the definition of prosperity has a reference to felicity that all brutes too and all men pursue pleasure is an indication that pleasure is in a certain respect the best of things Quote, that fame which crowds of humankind extol will ne'er completely perish because however neither the same nature nor the same habit either is or appears to be the best neither do all men pursue the same pleasure though pleasure is pursued by all men perhaps also they pursue not the pleasure which they fancy nor that which they say they pursue but the same pleasure for all things naturally possess something divine corporeal pleasures however obtain the inheritance of the name because men are for the most part occupied in them and all animals partake of them because therefore these pleasures alone are generally known these are the only pleasures which are fancied to have an existence it is however evident that unless pleasure is good and also energy it will not be possible for the happy man to live delectably for on what account would delight be requisite to a happy life if it is not good 
but it would also be possible for life to be happy though attended with pain for pain will neither be evil nor good if pleasure is not good why therefore is pain to be avoided neither therefore will the life of the worthy man be more delectable unless his energies are more delectable chapter fourteen with respect however to corporeal pleasures we must direct our attention to the assertions of those who say that some pleasures are very eligible viz such as are worthy but not corporeal pleasures with which the intemperate man is conversant why therefore are the pains contrary to these pleasures depraved for good is contrary to evil or shall we say that necessary pleasures are so far good because that which is not evil is good or that they are good to a certain extent for in those habits and motions in which there is no excess of that which is better there is no excess of pleasure but in those in which there is an excess of what is better there is also an excess of pleasure but of corporeal goods there is an excess and the bad man becomes bad by pursuing the excess of pleasure and not necessary pleasures for all depraved men are delighted with meats and wine and venery but not in such a manner as is proper and they are affected in a contrary way with respect to pain for they do not avoid the excess of pain but pain altogether for pain is not contrary to excess but to him who pursues excess since however it is not only necessary to speak the truth but also to assign the cause of a false assertion for this contributes to credibility since when the cause why a thing seems to be true though it is not appears to be reasonable it then gives greater credibility to the truth this being the case it must be shown why corporeal pleasures appear to be more eligible in the first place therefore they appear to be so because they expel pain and because excessive and in short corporeal pleasure is pursued on account of the excesses of pain as a remedy but the remedies are vehement and on this account corporeal pleasures are pursued because they become more apparent when placed by that which is contrary to them pleasure therefore does not appear to be good for these two reasons as we have before observed because some pleasures indeed are the actions of a depraved nature either from the birth of the animal as those of a brute or they originate from custom such as those of bad men but other pleasures are remedies because they are the pleasures of that which is in want and it is better to have them than for them to be passing into existence and others happen to be pleasures of that which is in a perfect condition from accident therefore they are worthy pleasures again pleasures that are vehement are pursued by those who are incapable of being delighted with other pleasures these therefore procure for themselves certain thirsts hence when pleasures are innoxious they are not to be reprehended but when they are noxious they are bad for those that pursue these pleasures have no other with which they are delighted and if neither these nor any others are present the vulgar are in pain through the indigence of nature for the animal always labours as physical arguments testify since as physiologists say to see and to hear are painful but we are now accustomed to these energies and therefore do not perceive the pain in a similar manner in youth in consequence of the augmentation which then takes place 
we are affected like those who are intoxicated and youth is a delectable period of human life but the melancholic naturally always require a remedy for their body experiences a continual molestation from its temperament through the acrimony of the bile and they are always agitated with vehement appetite pleasure however always excels pain as well the pain which is contrary to pleasure as that which is casual if the pleasure is strong and on this account the melancholic becomes intemperate and depraved but the pleasures which are without pain have no excess and these are such as are derived from things naturally delectable and which are not accidentally so i mean however by things delectable from accident remedies for because it happens that we are cured of a malady the part which is seen performing something on this account the remedies appear to be delectable but by things naturally delectable i mean those which produce the action of such a nature i e which produce an energy essentially adapted to such a nature nothing however which remains the same is always delectable because our nature is not simple but there is also something in it different according to which it is corruptible hence if the one part does anything this to the other nature is preternatural but when both the parts are equalized that which is performed neither appears to be painful nor pleasing for if there is any being the nature of which is simple to this being the same action will always be most delectable hence god always rejoices according to one simple pleasure for there is not only an energy of corporeal motion but also of immobility and pleasure exists more abundantly in rest than in motion but mutation is the sweetest of all things according to the poet through a certain depravity for as a depraved man is mutable so likewise is the nature which requires mutation for it is neither simple nor good and thus we have spoken concerning continence and incontinence pleasure and pain and have shown what each of them is and how some of them are good but others bad it now remains that we speak concerning friendship end of book seven recording in memory of mitchell edwards